Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. As we pursue Jesus, our vision is to build a community of believers who are present-centered, people-focused, and community-oriented. This message is taken from our Blueprint series, a journey through the book of Acts. We really believe that you will encounter Jesus through this teaching today. I want to share with you this morning, and there's just something that has been really impressing itself upon my own heart and spirit. And that is the, the phrase that God wants to display his glory. And uh, it says that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And uh, it says the heavens display the glory of the Lord. And in Isaiah chapter 6, it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with your glory. So wherever God is, that's where he wants to display his glory. And so I don't know about you, but I wonder what you think when you think of glory. You know, just a a blazing sort of ethereal mass in the sky and, and you just see this shimmering and you think, there's the glory of God. You know, and there are places where that happens. But what does it mean to live a life and we are living in the glory? You know, we had a word the other week and it says about the community of glory. Well, what on earth does that mean? You know, have you been pondering that? And what does, what does glory mean? You know, we were sat in the garden the other day and as we were sat there, I saw a, um, a seagull just soaring. Have you ever seen a seagull um, flying in the sky? It hardly flaps its wings. We're back to birds flapping again. But you see, the, the seagull, is all it does is this. And then there comes a point in the blue sky with some clouds, it will disappear. And I said to Sharon, I said, you know, I said, look at that seagull. She says, where? I said, it's up there somewhere. And then it appeared. And I said, doesn't it look glorious? And why was it looking glorious? Because it was doing what it was created to do. Have you got that? See, we can often think the glory is this sort of shimmering, the blazing fires of God, all of those things. But really it comes down to living our lives in the way that God wanted us to live them. Aren't you glad that you don't have to live in water? Huh? Because you would look the most hideous thing. You would have to go around with a snorkel on, two tanks or a, a scuba diver has two tanks on his back and... You would look silly. Why? Because you weren't created to live in that environment. Have you ever watched as there are fish that swim in the sea or you've been out? We had a, an opportunity some years ago. We were out in one of the um, areas uh, just off the coast of America and we were in a 20-foot yacht and the next thing, a humpback whale comes right up to the boat or the yacht that we were in and it went under the boat. You could hear it scraping underneath the boat. It came up the other side, looked at us and then went up again, came under, came up the other side. We went to look at it and it seemed to have this look in its eye and then it blew one of its spouts and it stunk. We got covered in it. You know? But for the next hour, this whale played with us. And the whale could have thrown that boat up in the air. And you saw it going up and down and going under, coming up the other side. And there was a point where I got to the front and I could nearly touch this whale with my hand. And again, I said, isn't it glorious being out here? 
Why? Because we were in an environment that we were watching somebody or something that was created to live in that environment really displaying what it's like to live in that type of environment. Wow. You see, and God has put glory in every one of us. We were all created to carry something of glory. You think, what has this got to do with the book of Acts? I am going to get there. Okay? Because that's a great, a great um, series that we're having. And again, two of the things that Ryan has been talking about. So you think, just because I'm not here... I don't listen. And um, some of you are here and some of you don't listen. You know, I'm not here and I listen, you know. And, uh, and he was talking about miracles in the mundane. Do you remember that? Wave to me if you remember that. Okay. Now keep waving if you've been doing it. Okay. That's about a third. Okay. So we're not quite there yet displaying our glory. We're not putting God on display enough. And also, was it um, switch, um, switch on the lights or be a switch? How many of you have been a switch? Not a snitch, a switch <laughs> this week. Huh? And you've turned on the light. Your presence has turned on the light. And what it's done It's allowed God's glory to be displayed. That's all what it's about. And so for us, how do we display? Because we have all these views of glory. There's another view that people have about glory. And they say, well, we can't take any glory to ourselves. And yet we do it all the time. Because God says, my glory in Isaiah 42, it says, my glory I will not give to another. Therefore, do not make any graven image. So there's a key there. It's when we're trying to make an image of God, God says, no, because I'm not going to put my glory in that. My glory is something totally different. And yet also... Have you ever thought about that? So what does it mean? God is not going to give his glory to anyone else and yet he wants to put it on display. I mean, these are some conundrums, aren't they? Well, I think they are. And then also Jesus says, I have given them, John 17, I have given them the glory that you gave to me. Wow. So he's saying he doesn't give us his glory. No, that's only if we try and create graven images. Wood, stone, the fabrications of our hands. He won't give glory to that. But Jesus says, I have given them the glory that you have given me so that they may be one. So his glory is about bringing us into a place of unity. Have you heard people talk about how we need to pray in unity, we need to get together, we need to keep focused on this particular thing? Now listen, that's part of it, but it's not all of it. Because glory brings us together. So what is glory? Everything has a glory. You have a glory. You know, I brought a snack for while I was preaching. Can you bring me the snack, Sharon? See, even an orange has glory. Did you know that? I mean, look, if I... I know I've got a little dish. thought I'd be an Anglican this morning. <laughs> now, Anglicans like little dishes, don't they? You know, they you know, if, if Jesus had been an Anglican, I mean, what would it look like? <laughs> Spitting in somebody's eye. You know, remember that story? He'd have gone... He'd have got a little golden dish. This is a crock one from Africa. But he'd have got a little golden dish with a little golden spoon. You go, nicely. You know, did you hear that? That's all. 
and then he'd have stirred it around a little bit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then he'd have dipped his finger in it and he'd have gone to Bartimaeus. It was Bartimaeus, wasn't it? Who was blind? Not Lazarus. Lazarus was dead. And he'd gone, now see. Wouldn't he? So anyway, I thought I'd be a little bit of an Anglican this morning. But you see, the thing is this. What's the glory of an orange? Let's get back there. What's the glory of an orange? This is the glory of an orange. Can you see it? Can you see it? See that? See, without juice, have you ever tried eating an orange without juice? It's like eating a handful of straw. That's all it is. But you see, juice puts glory into this orange. That's what it was designed for. It was created, it was created so that juice would be in it so that when it was squeezed, and we'll come back to that word, when it was squeezed is what would happen is something that was resident in it would begin to be released. Who likes being squeezed? And so here, everything has a glory. Now let's go to Acts chapter 7. And uh, we're going to read someone who saw the glory. And is a man by the name of Stephen. And Stephen has just preached a great message. And um, gone through the whole thing of the covenant of Passover. He's taken them through to the restoring the kingdom. He's taken them through the exile, brought them back into the promised land. Now listen, he's, he's preached a message contained in the whole of the Bible. So, you know, you have to give him a bit of grace when he's preaching. And, um, and so then, at the end of that, see, this is being squeezed who likes being squeezed and and so we come to this passage and it says here well there's two bits I'm going to read there's one from chapter 6 and then I'm going to go to chapter 7 it says those who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and they saw that his face was shining like an angel. That is, it had something about it that was beyond the natural. There was something in the way that his facial expression was or his physical um, appearance was that it made them look, and as they looked, they said, there's something different about this person. Because his face was radiating something of another realm, the angelic realm. But it was being vested in an individual. Could that be glory? And so here, when he finished his preaching, it says, when they heard this, this is being squeezed, when they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, mark that down, because you're not going to see the displaying of God's glory unless you're full of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit that moves us into another realm. We can call that realm the spirit realm, or we could call that realm the unseen realm with the natural eye. But I'm going to tell you something. When he looked, being full of the Holy Spirit, there were people in the natural who were gnashing their teeth at him, who were also furious at him, but Stephen... Listen to the difference. Full of the Holy Spirit, 
looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. He looked up to heaven and he saw God on display. Wow. Now, how was God on display? The very next line tells you. And it says here, he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, behold, I see heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Let me just open that up for a moment because it is important to get this. This is the only time in Jesus is ascended and glorified position that he is called the Son of Man. All through his earthly life, he kept telling people, people kept saying to him, he is the Son of Man, the Son of Man, the Son of Man. But you get to this point, and now it's Jesus, and the Jesus in heaven is also seen as the Son of Man. Why is that? Because he came into this earth in order to bear the image of humanity so that through death, through resurrection, he may take that image of humanity back into glory. And in that realm, he is seen as Jesus, but he's also seen as this son of man who is radiating glory. Come on. And so for us, I believe we need to understand. See, um, Stephen, that's what I say. Do you like being squeezed? See, Stephen was being squeezed. And you know something? What was in him began to come out of him. See, where are you being squeezed? What is the squeezing that's taking place in your life? Because let me tell you, squeezing will happen. Do you know there's a verse in Psalm 119, and I got it written down here. Let me just see if I can quickly go to it. Psalm 119, verse 67. And... uh, It says, teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I believe in your commands. Before I was afflicted, oh, squeezed. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Wow. See, sometimes we think, The difficulties that we go through are the devil. I'm not talking now of sickness and disease, which are of the devil. I'm talking about difficulties, the loss of things, the difficulties that we go through in relationships. And it says here that before I was afflicted, I went astray. So here I am going astray and then all of a sudden, oh, ah, oh. Ah, ah, and I stop. Oh, Lord, this is painful. I don't know how much more I can take. And what happens at that moment? God begins to turn us. So the affliction was to stop us going down a road that we would have gone astray and so then the affliction and so here it talks about the bible talks about the furnace of affliction anybody going through some hot times i'm not talking about the sun outside we can enjoy that but some really hot times and i know there's many of you here and you're going through times where there is this pressure on you. But remember the orange. The orange doesn't display the glory unless it's squeezed. 
It just sits there looking beautiful. But you start to squeeze it and the very essence that was in it was released from it. So Stephen, here he is. His life is being squeezed. And as it's being squeezed, what happens? Because he's full of the Holy Spirit, as that begins to be squeezed from him is what happens. It leads him on a trail into that realm. And in that trail, in that realm, he begins to see the glory of God and he recognizes it as Jesus who stands, the only time Jesus stands in heaven, every other time, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's what Paul says. And also Peter talks about being seated. But in this verse, it talks about and Jesus standing. Why? Because he's coming to assist Stephen, and he's coming to escort him, And he's coming to raise him up from the place that he's in and bring him into that realm of glory. Displaying his glory. In all that he was going through, not once did he turn and release a curse upon them. What did he release? He released the very Jesus that was in him. See, do you know... That when you became a Christian, Jesus came into your heart and into your life. And just like Stephen, do you know what happened when he was being squeezed? He says, Father, forgive them. Don't put this sin to their charge. Why? Why could he do that? It's because he was being squeezed. And the Holy Spirit, who would take of the things of Christ, and reveal them to us, was now revealing this step of forgiveness. And so when they squeezed him, judgment didn't come out, but forgiveness came out. Wow. So what was God doing? God was displaying his glory. He put his glory on display through Stephen. The same would be true in your marriage. The same would be true in your place of work. How many of you here would say, oh God, get me out of this place of work? Can you see? Maybe that's the place that God has got you so that he is going to display his glory through you. And without that, your life would just be like an orange with no juice. But he's created an environment for you. And in that environment, God has pre-prepared an environment for you. Better look at my notes so I don't go too far astray. And so here... God wants to reveal his glory. So there are aspects of God that he's put within us, vested in us, so they become the very essence that we have, because we have the divine nature. But what does that mean? You know, as I say, you know, when we start looking at glory, we can make it so ethereal, that's like cloud-like and like a mist, that appears and then it's gone. And you say, wow, did you see the glory? Did you feel the glory? Well, what does it mean? I I just want to be real with you. Because sometimes is all it is. We've been awakened in our senses to the coming presence of Jesus upon our lives. And that happens too. And when that happens, yes, it's a realm of glory we step into. We're in a realm of your glory. We're in a realm of your grace. We feel your mighty presence moving in this place. So what happens? And we say, don't we? Did you feel the glory? Did you feel the presence this morning? Yeah, well, what does it mean? What does it mean when we start talking like that to God saying, the whole earth shall be filled with my glory? 
You know, do we start having prayer meetings so that we pray that the cloud of glory would sweep down the streets of Dudley, sweep down the nation, sweep into Ukraine, and boom, everything's all sorted out. Buildings lying in rubble begin to come back up again. Can you see? Is that what we mean by glory? And so we pray for that. And there are people who are praying for it. Lord, restore, build up. But what does it mean? I'm going to fill the whole earth with my glory. So what is God doing when he created you and me? What did he do? He created an environment. Before he created you, that's good news. So it wasn't an afterthought after you were born, after your life came into being. wasn't an afterthought. You're like, oh, I better, I better sort some things out for that person. You know? He created heaven and earth. And then what he did, he saw what he, in the beginning God created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. See, it wasn't reflecting his glory. We who now, with unveiled faces, beholding in a glass, are being changed from one degree of glory to another. So that transforming glory is about restoring the glory in us. According to God's original pattern and purpose. Isn't God good? And so then is that what happens, there is this, and the earth was without form and void. And you think, well, God can't create that. So something's happened. In the Isaiah chapter, eight, uh, chapter 42, verse 18, it says there, 45, 18, it says, when he created the heavens and the earth, he did not create them void or empty, but he created them to be inhabited and so here I believe there was this cosmic explosion in heaven with the casting out of Satan because we have to bring into all of God's purposes and the patterns that he's working towards without Satan the world makes no sense because we say, well, something went wrong, but what went wrong? Satan is what went wrong. Lucifer, the devil, the serpent, all of those words. And so he was, he tried to lift himself up so that he was wanting to be equal with God. He wanted to create God in his own image. And God says, no. There is a limit to what I allow. Listen, we have to understand that. There's a limit to what God allows. And then it says, because you are lifted up in your pride, I'm going to throw you down to the earth. And at that point, the disorder that he tried to bring into that realm, he comes and brings it into this realm. But you see, God is not one step behind. And it said, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And he called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And so there was this dividing but the division wasn't divorce. Do you understand that? The division wasn't divorce because God is going to bring these two things 
that he is dividing first three days, light from darkness, upper waters from lower waters, and the earth from the sea. Those are the first three days. In the second part of the week, he's developing, and so now he can now develop things according to his design. And in the according to his design, he puts the lesser light, the moon, in the dark in order to bring light because he never wants us to be without light and he puts the sun in the day and then the upper waters and lower waters he puts because he's developing he's not divorcing he's not separating making it all shattered and in pieces is what he does he then puts the birds of the air in the sky and he puts the fish in the lower waters God has a great order And then the vegetation, the earth separates and he puts vegetation there. And all it's there, everything is being created. And then he says, and there was a garden. A place where God would display his glory. In the midst of all that had gone on, there was a place where God would display his glory. So people could see it. So even in the chaos... Like Stephen, so we're back to Stephen, even in all the chaos of Stephen's affliction, he looks full of the Holy Spirit and he sees the glory of God. Wow. We'll look at that in a moment. And Jesus standing at the right hand. And he calls him the Son of Man. The one up there who can identify with the one down here. Is this good? And so, with all of that, God had created this environment, the perfect environment. That's what Eden means. Eden means perfection, mature, orderly. So, in the midst of all of this, he has this one space and, and he says, now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to create one like me. To go in there, and then I'm going to put my glory in him, because God breathes into him the breath of life. I'm going to put glory in him. And so through that glory, he's going to begin to extend the environment of perfect order into the whole earth. And so with that, I'm going to give him something of myself. And so there are some things when God says, my glory I won't give to another, that's the, people call it the incommunicable attributes of God. It means there are some things that God is not going to share with us. Okay? But just get hold of it. It's true. Now, what are they? His omnipotence. Are you all powerful? No. So there's certain things that he's not going to give you. Because my glory, there are certain things with myself I'm not going to give you. He does give us dunamis power, as you heard last week. And the week before, you heard the whole thing of Holy Spirit bringing gifts to us so that we could radiate, display, put God on display. Are you putting God on display? Because he wants you to. Put him on display. And so through all the gifts to see people healed is what you're doing is you're causing the glory to bring in restoration. And life becomes glorious. All the time we're looking at all the problems, all the difficulties. We don't see the glory. The Jesus up there who wants to identify with me down here. Now what does that mean? And I'm giving you some words. It means his imminence. God come down to us. 
up there, it's his transcendence. That is, we have someone that we look to, that it keeps granting us greater and greater levels of expectation of what God can do. So that's why we need an ascended, risen, glorified Jesus so that we take our eyes of all that's going on here. And even like Peter, uh, Stephen, when he's being persecuted, they are gnashing their teeth at him. They're furious and they begin to throw stones at him. There, take that. There, take that. There, take that. And while all that is going on, I mean, that's, that's being squeezed, isn't it? Huh? Don't you think? I, I think it's being squeezed. And what happens in all of that? The juice of Jesus within him. Father, don't hold this to their record. Cancel it out. Because he was releasing something of God's communicable gifts. Or God's communicable nature, his attribute. Another one of the things that God hasn't given us is omniscience. If he'd have given me the ability to be all-knowing, you would be frightened of me, wouldn't you? But he hasn't done that. So that I don't know everything about you. That's why we need Holy Spirit to reveal things from his transcendent place and by the Holy Spirit make it now reality in this space in this imminent place because you need his imminence not his transcendence are you with me and so then what happens in all of this you see he hasn't given me the ability to be omnipresent aren't you glad I can't be everywhere at once. I mean, listen, I know a lot more than you think I do. But he hasn't given me omnipresence. I can't be here and somewhere else at the same time. And listen, if anybody tells you that they have the ability to do that, they're telling lies. Why? Because God has not given that to us. Oh yes, we can be here... And then God can translate us to another place. And I know people that that's happened to. But that is different from being here and also being there at the same time. That doesn't happen. Why? Because God has not given us that omnipresence. There is another one, just so you get them all. What was it? Come on, Luke, you should know that one. Omnipotence, omnipresence, omniscience is sovereignty. He hasn't given me sovereign power. Now again, you know, let's pick on somebody else. Great being on the front row. You can just walk through. You know, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he's not given me rulership? I mean, listen. <laughs> we could be in a mess. And given me sovereignty. You know, I could say, do this and you do it. See, those are things that God has kept to himself. But listen to this. What has God communicated to us? Mercy. Wow. See, so when we're talking about the glory of God, God displaying himself, God putting himself on display. He wants to put himself on display through you. In that situation where they should get judgment is what you do is you release mercy. You give them, what is the term, Sharon? You give them what they don't deserve. That's mercy. You give them what they do. You don't give them what they deserve. See? So when you think of everything going on, this happens in individual lives. This happens 
in community lives. This happens in family. That we have to get back to the simple truths of putting God on display. When he is put on display, we reveal mercy. We don't give people what they deserve. No matter how much pressure they put us on, no matter how much squeezing that they're doing, because why? God may be wanting to bring that juice just out of you. It's going to bring refreshing. It's going to be life-giving. And grace. How does God put himself on display? Grace. Great grace was upon them. Now you see, grace is not a fruit. Did you know that? Did you know that? It's not a fruit of the Spirit. It's a gift of grace. It doesn't, it's not produced as a fruit. It's a gift of grace. So every situation where we're going to receive what we don't deserve, that's grace. We receive what we don't deserve. See, that's a gift. And so now we put God on display. We release grace into those situations. And what happens is it brings transformation. We are transformed from one degree of glory to another. And this is from God, not from ourselves. Because he's communicated this to us. Are you with me? This is sweet. If you can get hold of this, let me tell you, this coming week you're going to live in glory. And you're going to allow other people to live in glory. Because of the way that you treat people. Because what you do is going to just display, put God on display. Yeah. We get to boast about him through the things that we do. Some of the other things that are there. And some of you need to get hold of this and say, God, I need your mercy. His goodness. Your goodness is running after, running after me. Well, how does that happen? It will happen with me and you releasing the goodness of God. <clears throat> Instead of being scowly, lemon-faced, orange-faced. You know? And so here, you see, all the time we think that we're being super spiritual because we've had this revelation, that revelation. I don't know what revelation Stephen had got hold of. And there's some things, I think, if you look at how Stephen saw Jesus, in what sense did he see? Because he did see him with a sense, because he saw him. In what sense? Was it a miraculous extension of the physical vision? See, we would like that, wouldn't we? Was it a miraculous extension of the visual? And so he was seeing through these things and he had this incredible vision. Some people have that and it's wonderful. Don't ever give up on it. But it also, it could be the removal of intervening spiritual obstacles. So what God had done in order for him to see, he removed all of the spiritual obstacles. And so because they were all moved out, there was this corridor of glory that now he looks up and he sees above all the obstacles, the one object, Jesus. Standing and saying, come on, come on, we, you're nearly there. I'm standing to receive you. I'm coming to escort you. I'm coming to renew you. I'm coming to resurrect you from this situation. Wow. This is glory. And we have lessened it to this supernatural experience where we're seeing angels flying there and everywhere. And in the end, you can have all of that and you can stop giving mercy to people. And what you do is you make yourself like a demon even though you're having all the visions because you're being judgmental and you're wanting judgment instead of mercy. Come on. Or it could be a presentation of a visionary 
object that God just lets him see on this huge silver screen of heaven. And he goes, wow, there's Jesus. And some people have those visions too. But you see, all of that, how did he get this vision? Or it could, and some people have that, or it could be a miraculous impression that was just impressed onto his mind. He could have been there, and as he looked up, he just had this wonderful impression that had been so impressed on his mind. And as it was so impressed that he began to gaze up and the very impression became, became a realization. And that's okay too. See, God will reveal himself in all different ways. Let's not get caught up. But he reveals himself. Why? Because he wanted to put his mercy on display. He wanted to put his forgiveness on display. He'd put it on display just a few weeks earlier. That's all it would have been, a few weeks earlier. But the people hadn't got the message because they killed Jesus, the Son of Man. And so a few weeks later, he says, I'm going to display myself again. Are you ready, Stephen? Full of the Holy Spirit. He said, oh, I'm ready, Lord. And as he's in that place, he has this vision and with that, he displays, not through the vision, but through the mercy. That is what put God on display. Go on, give him praise. Oh, so let's try and wrap some of these things up. I've got loads I could um, go on about. Um, but let's try and wrap some things up. And, and that is, get this point, one. I know I've given you lots of points. Sharon says you, you could make sermons out of your last three points, but you just run them off. So one, God has created an environment for you to live in. Don't rush away from it. Don't think you've got to get out of this place. we got to get out of this place. If it's the last thing we ever do. No, 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 no. It isn't the last thing you have to do. I know some of you chuckled then because you know the song. Some of you don't, and that's okay too. <clears throat> you haven't had the revelation. And so, and so the thing is, God's created an environment. Why? Because he's wanting to put pressure Squeeze you. Don't forget, they are his arms of love and his fashioning hands. You're on the potter's wheel and he's fashioning, informing. Why? Because he's got an environment that you are to be in where he can display his mercy, his grace, his goodness. All of those are his communicable attributes. Ask God, don't ask God for more power. Ask God for more mercy and then you will need more power. Do you understand? You will need. You want God to reveal mercy through you, you will need his power because it's impossible for you to do. You want to give to people what they don't deserve, you need power because we're all just Selfish individuals wanting to get equal with one another and wanting to get above one another. And you see that played out in nations. Somebody once says, my truck, in the words of Danny Silk, my truck is, red truck is bigger than your yellow truck. And so my red truck can mow down your yellow truck because I'm the boss. See, that's... That's what we do. 
We do it in lesser extent in our families, in our homes, in relationships, always trying to get one up and one down and all the rest of it. And so here for us, God has created an environment. Why? Because he wants to squeeze you. Oh, somebody's going to have a real job cleaning that up this week. <laughs> God wants the juice to come out of you. The juice of his mercy. That's what Stephen was doing. And uh, so what's the environment that you're in? Ask God. Say, God, I'm trying to get out of this place, but would you give me grace in order to display your glory? The earth will be filled with the knowledge, the experience, that's the word there, knowledge. The earth will be filled with the experience of God's glory. And, and so with that, it could be our generation. But if we don't do it, we're so busy looking for angels. We're so busy. It said his face shone like an angel. What would you rather have? An angelic visitation or to shine like an angel? Because if your face will shine like an angel, you'll also release heaven's juice through you mercy forgiveness goodness and you don't know who's looking at you you don't know who's watching but let me tell you something listen to this and while they were stoning Stephen he prayed Oh, these would be great prayer meetings to go to, Ryan. I mean, they really would be great prayer meetings to go to. He says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell asleep on his knees. He fell on his knees, sorry. And he cried out, Lord, do his mercy. Here's the juice now. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. I mean, what an expression. Not he died, not he was stoned to death, he fell asleep. And Saul was there. You don't know who is watching. You don't know who God wants to display his glory through. Huh? Isn't that great, Luke? We just don't know who is watching our lives. We don't know who is going to see God display his glory. It says here, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. I can, I can imagine heaven was saying, hey, Stephen, thanks for displaying my glory. I just needed one person to see it. That's all. And that one person would change the way that people understood my love and my covenant. Just one person. Listen, you could be that person. That could change, because God is still looking for people who are world changers. Do you know how I know that? Because this world is in a pretty bad state. I do not subscribe that this world is getting better. I subscribe that this world is getting into an awful state and it will only take the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And until that comes, we're going to see heaven populated with people who are transformed by his glory as we display God to their lives so that they are transformed from one degree of glory to another. So there is transformation. Communities can tra be transformed. But let me tell you, if we're thinking this is going to be a gradual transformation where the earth is going to become full of God's glory, we are being deceived. Jesus will come and sort this mess out. Why? Because he is omnipotent. 
He's all-knowing. He's omniscient. And he is omnipresent. He can come and he will give this world what it requires. You see? And so for us, oh, I could go on, but for us today, what's the environment that God has put you in? Because, let me tell you, is all God requires of you and me in that environment is obedience. Isn't it simple? I said simple, not sinful. Isn't it simple? That's all he requires, obedience. Adam, I want to put myself on display. And the way I'm going to put myself on display is by you walking in obedience to me. Now, the way I'm going to do that is going to enable you to have the ability to choose whether you do that or not. Because I don't want you to be a robot. I am not sovereign in the sense that people think I am. I am sovereign because I want to give people freedom to choose. And so I want to display the glory of this place, Eden everything around and so all I want you to do is don't eat from that tree because that will make you omniscient all-knowing knowing good from evil and I haven't put that in you wouldn't it be great to live your life without the knowledge of evil huh without all the corruptions and contaminations of of evil sinful behavior and all the things that we see on our screens, all the rest. Wouldn't it be great if we just didn't have to? Well, thank Adam that that's what we got. And then give him mercy. And you see, is all God wanted was obedience. And you know, Adam failed. Eve failed. They were both as bad as one another. It wasn't that Eve was the one, the culprit. And, I mean, Adam was just as bad as Eve because he should have been king. He should have extended God's sovereignty, and he didn't. He let Eve just get on and do what she wanted. See? And that's not oppression. That's not saying you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. It's expressing Life through him, the juice that's in him, giving the juice that's in him to her. And her having the juice in her to give to him. Can you see? And so it comes, no, Eve, we can't do this because if we do this, we, we step out of the goodness of God. See, that's all. And, and we step out from his grace. But if we don't do it, we, we live in his goodness and we live in his grace. And because they failed, you know what he did? He tried, and this is what we do. When we don't like the environment that we're in and we won't walk in obedience to what God has said, that can happen in our own lives towards our boss, it can happen in our own lives towards our marriage partner. I mean, listen, in like, we could, you know, I mean, Billy Graham said, uh, they asked um, Billy Graham's wife, had she ever thought of divorce? Do you know what she said? No, I've never once thought of divorce. Murder, yes. <laughs> but not divorce. You know? I don't think we got that far, have we? But we haven't wanted to be in another room where the other person wasn't. Why? Because we didn't want to display and put God on display with mercy and forgiveness and goodness. That's all. We chose not to do that. And so it works out in all of our lives in very simple ways. But when we're walking in obedience, you see, and when we don't do that, 
is we manufacture camouflages of fig leaves. I mean, wouldn't you think, James, he would have thought something better to cover himself with? I mean, a fig leaf, I ask you. Huh? I mean, for me, he wasn't being that smart. But you see, but that's what we do, don't we? We cover ourselves with the camouflages of our own manufacturing. And so with that, we become like little spiritual chameleons. So we blend in. But you see, what he didn't realize, with all the things that God had placed within him, he didn't realize that God had also got some things that he hadn't put in him. And that was, he was all present. Oh, uh-uh. And also, he was all-knowing. So where are you, Adam? It wasn't because he wanted to find out the geographical location of where Adam was hiding. Let me tell you. He wanted Adam to know how far he had got from his presence. That's all. And he's, you know, you can imagine Adam, can you? He can't see me. I'm in a good camouflage. These fig leaves are doing a good job. Even Eve can't see me today. I mean, I'm well, I'm well sort of blended in with the background. You know? It's like the new shirt, by the way. Birthday present. It doesn't, cam- doesn't go with camouflage that well here, does it? Yeah, but blending in. So we camouflage ourselves, but the thing is, we don't realize just how ridiculous we look with a little fig leaf loincloth. Adam, I can see your little toe poking out. <laughs> okay, guys, just we'll leave it there, okay? Keep it to toe. And so, what I want you to do is to be one that says, God, would you enable me to display your glory? In the environment that I'm in now, whatever changes may come, wherever you may take me, because God does move us around, but wherever that is, I stay true to your word, I stay true to the covenant promises. Listen, me and Shannon have been married for 20, uh, 20, 45 years. I met Shannon when I was 21. That's where the 20s came from. I met Shannon when I was 21. And 45 years we've been married, but we have been with each other for 49 years. Because we were going together for four years before we got married. So all of those things. Are there times when you say, I've had enough? Are there times when you want to use that word? And I think one of us used it once. I think it was me that used it. And we used the divorce word. I don't know how it came out. But as soon as we said it, we realized just how desperate the situation was we got on our knees together and we promised each promised each other that we would never use that word again in our relationship we made a vow before god there's some vows i know there's you know vows that you shouldn't make but there are some vows that are good vows and 45 years later we've still never used that word Can you see? We just took it out of our vocabulary. It was never used again. See, this is what allows the juice. So if you want the juice to come out, allow the squeezing to take place. I would rather the squeeze than the cut. There's two ways to get juice out, isn't there? You know, you cut the orange in two, open it up. I don't, you know, I mean, there are some things I just sort of think, Lord, just go easy on me. 
<laughs> and he says, yes, I will if you go easy on other people. Because with the measure you meet, see, these things aren't there just so we can you know, have fun or get a sermon out of it. With the measure you meet out, it will be measured to you. So you want mercy? Then give mercy. But I finish with this. And it's God who said, let light shine in the darkness. To give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And he wants us to be transformed from one degree of glory to another. So if we're going to go from one degree of glory to another, it means that in this experience, in this stage of my life, God's going to squeeze so that glory can come out and then I can move to a new place. And in that place, God is going to say, Trevor, in that place, there is going to be another dimension where you're going to display my glory. Do you know what it says in Exodus 14? It says there, you read it, it says there, I will put my glory on display through Pharaoh. Wow. I'll put my glory on display. And so we move to that place and we think, oh, have I just got... Because in this world we face tribulation. Don't, you know, cancel all those things out. And this thing, that doesn't have to be, you know, difficult for us. Yes, we can feel squeezed, restricted, but God is releasing us to display his glory. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed by it. You can stay connected with all that God is doing here and be resourced by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, following us on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Revival Fires, giving and sowing into the ministry at our website, www.revivalfires.org.uk.